we thank our church. Uh, Lord, we thank you for everyone here today, and I uh, pray that you'd be with those that could not hear be, be here with us this morning. Lord, be with Dale this morning as he brings us your word. Uh, help us to open our hearts and our minds to, to learn more about you, Lord. We thank you for Ben and uh, his chance to go learn more about you and to uh, uh, go sit with other belie believers and other preachers and uh, his time spent studying your word so that he can share it with us, Lord. Uh, we thank you for Dale being willing to, to fill in and his absence and in his uh, busyness this week, Lord. Um, guide us and uh, be with us this week. Help us to be your hands and feet in, uh, in our community this week. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tanner. Um, as you know, this is not what I normally do. So um, I've done it enough times now not to be really too nervous, except for the fact that the preacher is sitting right here. Okay, so that wasn't really completely said when he asked. It was a few days later that I learned that he would really be here, but we'll, we'll move on with it and go with it. Um, today we are um, in 1 Corinthians um, uh, chapter 15, and we're going to start in Rome and... Um, uh, in uh, chapter 15, verse 12, sorry. Uh, when, we, when he first asked me, he said, you know, um, the verses that we'd be looking at would be um, verses 12 through 19. And then he texted me back and said, well, you may want to add 20 through 28 to that too. So, nah, I don't know, but we did, so um, this is pretty straightforward text today, and um, it, it's so true, and it's part of the gospel, and, and the reason, we're talking about the physical resurrection of Christ, and the physical resurrection of believers that will happen in the future, and we're tying those two together. And um, Paul is talking to the people in the church at Corinth at the time. And so let's start here by reading um, verses 12 through 19. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people must be to be most to be pitied. Okay, so let's take that and break this down a little bit. Um, so like I said, today we're talking about resurrection. And most of the time when we think of the word resurrection, we think of Jesus and his resurrection. But today we're not only focusing on that, but we're focusing on focusing on a different resurrection. 
Um, let's remember what we've learned prior to these verses today. We know that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. This means he's talking to Christians. These Christians knew very well about the resurrection of Christ. They believed that Jesus was crucified, and three days later he was resurrected. They knew there were eyewitnesses that saw him and talked to him. They knew the resurrection was real and possible. So let's look at verse 12 alone here. Verse 12 says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So when we're talking about resurrection here, we're talking about the bodily resurrection, the physical resurrection. And even though um, Paul is talking to the people at Corinth, the Christians, he said even though the Christians in the church believed in the resurrection of Christ, there were still people in the church that were questioning the resurrection of the dead. What is this referring to, the resurrection of the dead? The resurrection of the dead is referring to the future resurrection of believers when Christ returns. There were people in the church that were questioning this possibility, and, and Paul is calling them out. He's saying, you know, you, you can't believe the resurrection of Christ and say it's possible, but it's not possible for the resurrection of the believers. When Paul uses the word resurrection, he's not merely talking about reviving of someone's spirit. That was actually a very common belief at the time among many, that when a body dies, the soul remains to live since it's immortal, but the body, body perishes. Their belief was that there was not a physical resurrection. So let's look at verses 13 and 14. And again, Paul says here, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has, um, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. When we, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true, the dead are not raised. Okay. So Paul tells the church this. He says, if you don't believe in physical resurrection, then you can't believe that Christ was raised from the dead. He is telling them that such a denial of this resurrection constitutes a radical rejection of the gospel itself, which they themselves have proclaimed. He says the logic in this thinking would mean that if the resurrection of the physical body were impossible, then Christ would still be dead. And if Jesus had not risen, then Christianity doesn't exist. Paul explained in earlier verses that the gospel being preached holds the resurrection of Jesus as a fundamental element. So if the resurrection is not possible, then Christ did not rise from the dead. And therefore, what Paul is preaching is useless. And the faith of the Corinthians is useless as well. But he goes even further than that, because Paul is also preaching about the resurrection. Then he would, if, if Paul is teaching about the resurrection, 
then he would actually be preaching something that is false and therefore would be a false witness. Verse 16 ties together the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of believers in the future. We see this link at least four times in these verses today. Verses 16 and 17 say, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So Paul is once again tying together the future resurrection of believers with the resurrection of Jesus. He's telling the people of Corinth that these two concepts cannot be separated. What is true of one is true of the other. The Corinthians who deny the physical resurrection of believers can't say they are talking about the resurrection of believers and not of Christ. He he emphasizes again about the faith but about the faith but uses the term futile instead of useless. If Christ was not resurrected, then the gospel was not completed, and no sins were forgiven through Jesus. If Christ had not been resurrected, believers' sins would not be forgiven, and believers would be condemned. Christians would still be in their sins, just as the wicked and the unbelieving. And that still holds true for us today. If there was no physical resurrection of Christ, the gospel doesn't hold true. Moving on to verses 18 and 19. It says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So these verses explain that these consequences would be true not only for the living believers, but also for those believers who had already died. Paul is telling us that if there is no such thing as physical resurrection, then there is no hope for any of us. Paul is basically saying that if you do not believe in the physical resurrection of Christ and the future resurrection of believers, then you have put your faith in a lie. Verses 12 through 19, we've learned that physical resurrection of believers cannot be separated from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you deny the former, then you deny the latter. Believers are in Christ, therefore his destiny is the believer's destiny. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then sin won victory over Christ and therefore continues to be victorious over all men. If Jesus remained dead, then when we die, we too will remain dead. But, let's look at verses 20 through 28. The next section here. So verses 12 through 19, talking to those who were saying that there's no such thing as, uh, as a physical resurrection. But verse 20 through 28 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. So let's look, look back at those first couple of verses again. Verses 20 through 22. Remember, we were talking to those who were saying that physical res resurrection does not, that did not happen. But here in, in verse 20 it says, but in fact Christ did was raised from the dead it's not a question he was raised from the dead they saw it they knew it they believed it there were witnesses the gospel is true it tells us that we see we have that proof so, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for as by a man came death by a man has came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So again, verses 12 through 19, Paul talked about what would happen if believers did not believe physical resurrection of Christ or the future resurrection of believers. But in verse 20, Paul says, in fact, Christ has been raised. He is telling the Corinthians that there is no question to this fact that Jesus Christ was risen from the grave. We know that. Then he mentions the first fruits. What were the first fruits? What is that talking about? Well, during this time, um, the Israelites, before they harvested their crops, they had to bring a sample, which is called the first fruits to the priests as an offering to the Lord. So they would bring these samples, this first fruits to the priest, and then the full harvest could be made um, after the first fruits were brought. Um, the point here that Paul is making is that the resurrection of Christ was the first fruit of the resurrection harvest of the believing dead. In his death and resurrection, Christ made an offering of himself on our behalf. The first fruits were the first installment of the harvest. The fact that Christ was the first fruits indicates that there's something else to follow. Once again, Paul is tying together with the resurrection of Christ to the resurrection of the future, the future resurrection of believers. So we have already had the resurrection of Christ. That are the first fruits. The full harvest won't be made 
until the future, until we are all Christians are raised um, from the dead. But it's still one harvest. Verse 21 tells us that the resurrection of Christ was the resurrection of a man. We must remember that Christ was fully man. It was because Jesus died, because Jesus was buried, and because Jesus was raised as a man that he could become the first fruits of all other men who would be raised to glory. Verse 22 talks about two paths. It talks about the path of Adam and the path of Christ. In the path of Adam, we have all inherited a, a sin nature, and therefore we will die. And the word all there means all. We've all inherited that. In, the, in Christ, all who believe in him have inherited eternal life and shall be made alive in body and spirit. We use the word all there also, but in a different way. With Adam, we've all inherited that sin nature. With Christ, we have to choose Christ. So all that have chosen Christ will have that eternal life with him. So there's a difference. In Adam, is simply to be human, to be, have been born once. But in Christ, is to have eternal life. It's to be born again. By natural descent from Adam, having inherited his sin, we will all die. But by Christ, by supernatural descent from Christ, having inherited his righteousness, Christians shall be made alive. This inheritance in both case and cases is both physical and spiritual. But in these verses, Paul is focusing on the physical death and the physical resurrection of both Christ and believers. Verse 23 says, But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Paul explains to the Corinthians that the resurrection of Christ was the first fruit. It was the beginning of the harvest, but there will be more. The resurrection of those who belong to Christ will be when he returns. Paul doesn't tell us when that will be. In fact, nowhere in God's word will you find the answer to that question. It will be in the future, but we don't know that time. What we do know is that God has put things in order, in his order. Jesus Christ has already been resurrected, and his believers will be resurrected at his coming. Let's look at verses 24 through 28. It says, Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put into subjection, it is plain that he has accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This third aspect of the re resurrection plan is what Paul discuss that Paul discusses here. <coughs> Sorry, it is what may be called the restoration. Paul summarizes a few things that will happen in the last in the last times. He uses the word then. That's how he starts the verse um, twenty four. Then comes the end. We don't know how much time there will be between now and the end, but Paul is telling us it is going to happen. And what about the end? The word end may not only refer to something that is final, but also to something that is completed, consummated, or fulfilled. When he delivers up the kingdom to God the Father, um, all things will be restored as they were originally designed and created by God to be. In other words, the end will look like it was in the beginning. Sin will be no more, and God will reign supremely, without enemy and without challenge. Christ turns over the restored world to God, his Father, who sent him to recover it. The final act of Christ will be, permanently, will be to permanently conquer every enemy of God. Any rule, authority, or power that goes against God will be abolished and will never again exist. In Revelation um, five, um, chapters 5 through 20, you can read vividly and, and dramatically, and after this week Ben can explain it to all of us without any question, I'm sure. Um, Revelations 5 through 20 um, those, those chapters tell the story of the thousand-year millennial rule of Christ on earth. Christ will take back to himself the earth that he created and is rightfully his. You know, what joy would that be to have it like he originally intended it for it to be? As these last few verses that we've read depict, Jesus will reign until all of his enemies have been defeated. You know, what glorious time that we know that Jesus will win. He uses the word under his feet. The term, uh, or this little saying under his feet, comes from the common practice in ancient times of kings and emperors always sitting enthroned above their subject. So when the subject bowed, they were literally under or lower than the sovereign's feet. So is that why you like setting up here so that? Um, and also with the enemies, um, a king often would put his foot on the neck of the conquered king or general, symbolizing the enemy's total subjection. That's what Paul is saying in these verses. All things will be under the total subjection of Christ during this time. Verse 28 says, the son himself will be subjected to him who put all things in subject under him, that God may be all in all. Uh, let's think about, about Jesus' role. From the time of his incarnation until the time when he presents the kingdom to the Father, Christ is, the role of a is in the role of a servant. 
fulfilling his divine task as assigned by his father. We don't often think of that, but Christ was here as a servant for his, for his father, for God. Christ is a servant. Christ was here to serve his father. He did as his father asked. But in, when that final work is accomplished, he will assume his former full glorious place in the perfect harmony of the Trinity. Christ will continue to reign because his reign is eternal. But he will reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit as a perfect trinity. So in conclusion today, I want to just talk about what we've, what we've learned. Paul wants us to remember that the physical resurrection of Christ and the future resurrection of believers is something that did happen and will happen. Because if you don't believe in this phys physical resurrection of the body of both Christ and the believers, then the entire gospel's a lie. And we know that's not the case. Paul also wants us to remember that God has a plan. And that plan is leading back to the beginning. In the end, all will be restored to perfection. And Christ will conquer every enemy. We do not know the time, and we will not know, uh, but we do know that it will happen. In the end, believers will be resurrected as Christ, as Christ was, and will live eternally with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for, for your word. Lord, we just thank you for, for sending your son to, to live here on earth, to show us what we need to do. We thank you for, for the death and for the resurrection of your son, Lord, and for this truth.